This week's show is sponsored by Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help you fuel up fast with flavourful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Head to factormeals.com slash addition50 and use code addition50 to get 50% off your first box. And welcome to the edition podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Henry. This week, we're we're taking a di- little different talk. And uh, we're going to go into the courts of justice here in the UK and discuss a very, very high profile case, which is that uh, surrounding Prince Harry, many others as we'll unpack, uh, and the case surrounding phone hacking and allegations of phone hacking against Mirror Group newspapers now, uh, Reach, the parent company is now called Reach. Joining me is the New Statesman's senior associate editor and a very good friend of mine, Rachel Cunliffe. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing? Uh, hello, Charlotte. I'm good. How are you? All the better for having you back on the show. Now, you were watching this very closely. You wrote a piece when some of this started back in April, but this has been going on for a while. We've seen, not that long ago, a day and a half of the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, actually in court being cross-examined for a day and a half, which is pretty, pretty tough in front of two uh, King's Council barristers that is not a fun way to spend a day and a half um unpack where we have been and where we're going with this case well can I first say how weird it is still even though it's been over six months to say king's council council as opposed to queen's council yes I, re- I realize that's like a really minor point but um there were all these all, all, all these instances where like the death of the queen you get reminded of it and like oh yeah we don't have a queen anymore we have a king which is going to be very relevant for the rest of this discussion because I'm inevitably going to say prince charles so, at yes, various uh... points uh and he's obviously not prince charles he is king charles although he was prince charles when these events took place well, um, alleged events took place when the time period covered by this yes. trial is yeah. uh, um, we should explain actually that king's council are the highest form of barrister basically in the uk in England. really really fancy lawyers that get special wigs very 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 fancy very 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 often well-paid lawyers so let's go dive into this case yes. what is it all about So this is one of uh, a number of lawsuits that Prince Harry is involved with against newspapers or news groups that own newspapers, some of which the titles no longer exist, uh, that alleges phone hacking and other illegal information gathering activity. Uh, And the uh, phone hacking kind of era uh, or the the era of which this this behavior is is alleged to have taken place is kind of the 90s and the early 2000s I think it's sort of from about 1993 up to sort of 2010-2011. Which we Um, should point out covers most of Prince Harry's childhood and teen years. Yeah, so he is talking about the time of his life from being kind of um, like eight or nine before Princess Diana died, all the way up to being in his in his early twenties. So his school years uh, and sort of adolescence and and early twenties. And crucially, he is not the only person who is alleging that this illegal activity took place. These are sort of I don't think we call them class action lawsuits here these are sort of group lawsuits where a number of high profile celebrity figures are alleging that their voicemails were hacked or that uh, newspapers uh, 
behaved in a legal way to gather information. Elton John is involved in one of the cases. Um, Which is, that's against, I think, Associated Newspapers, the owner of the Daily Mail, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And then there's also the one, which is the one that I wrote about in April, which is News Group Newspapers, which uh, is the group that uh, owned the now defunct News of the World, um, but also the sun uh, but, and and then the 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 case that's been on the last week has been against the mirror group which is a separate organization uh, with separate titles but similar set of allegations which is that journalists hacked voicemails so if you cast your mind back to sort of the Leveson inquiry they sort of did that by there was a number that you could call to access someone's voicemail and often they didn't change the pin and people didn't realize that their voicemails were kind of vulnerable to this and there was a whole lot of behavior that, uh, that we we know happened back then um uh, with titles that now don't exist anymore and these lawsuits allege that that same behavior was going going on uh, at more newspapers than it, it came to light at the time. And lots of people, uh, sort of soap actors, celebrities, uh, and indeed Prince Harry are suing for damages. There, and there's, now, some, yeah, there's something quite specific about the Prince Harry case, which I want to get into with you. But let's just, another bit of context. The Mirror has made apologies and prayouts for previous wrongdoing. Yes. However, in this case, they are absolutely vigorously denying any wrongdoing. And a lot, as I understand it, of their lawyer's case against Prince Harry, sorry, defence against Prince Harry, is that actually the stories he's going on about, and I think there are 33 he's been walked yeah. through in court, are could have come from all different ways, not just phone hacking. So this and they, was, this they're the... very strong about that. And the editor at the time, Piers Morgan, who... Listeners will remember from CNN, from Good Morning, uh, from this morning, Good Morning Britain here in the UK, all sorts of things. Now Talk TV, of course, absolutely vigorous denies any knowledge of phone hacking. We should yes. make all of that clear. Yes, and I think it is interesting that in uh, other test cases that are being brought as part of this group lawsuit, they do acknowledge wrongdoing or illegal activity in the case of uh nikki sanderson the uh soap actress they say there there were occasions and they have apologized for them but the prince harry stuff as you say they are adamant that it didn't happen at any point and when they go through those 33 articles which we might go into in a bit of depth in a bit the defense basically every single time was this could have come from somewhere else and one of the places it could have come from is other newspapers that had the story. Right. Um, the other thing I want to pick up, which is very specific to this, because I don't want to really go into the psychodrama of Prince Harry and certainly don't want to go into the psychodrama of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, but it's very clear as this case has gone on that one of the things Harry wants to achieve is getting a lot of his grievances aired in court and on the record in court. I'm not entirely convinced. I don't think he cares about getting a payout, particularly. Uh, I think he probably would like an apology if he can prove there's any wrongdoing. I think that matters a lot more to him. But what I think he really wants is getting on the record what he feels the media subjected to him subjected him to during his childhood and teen years that to me sees what it's all about this sort of righteous indignation he feels let's be blunt about it he thinks the media killed his mother yep he thinks the media has hounded his first love chelsea davy and now hounded 
his current wife, Meghan Markle, and, and he thinks that that's what he wants to get on the record. Yeah, I think that's entirely right. And I think your point that he doesn't necessarily care about getting a payout is a really crucial one. One of the things that came across in his witness statement and his evidence was how relentless the coverage had been and how much of an intrusion it had been on him when he was a child, a teenager and and a young man. So the effect of you know, there was a story about him being injured and not being able to play football for three weeks. Okay, he got teased about that at school and he didn't know where that had come from and that made him not trust his friends at school or that made him not trust staff at the school and feel like, oh, I can't go to the medical block because what if they leak it to the papers? Um, when it comes to the Chelsea Davies stuff, this is his sort of first proper girlfriend, not knowing how the details of their arguments or their meetups ended up in the press, that sort of led to a sense of paranoia and what that did to him and I, I sort of I, did, I didn't watch the testimony because you can't watch the testimony well, we'll remotely which we'll, we'll come on to that but I've, I followed it very closely um the the live reports of people who were in the courtroom a lot of the examples given the mirrors defense was a palace source gave that to us you know we got it from gossip we got it from we could have got it from gossip we could have got it from the security staff we could have got it from the palace press spokespeople um we could have got it from the palace and i think for prince harry that's kind of the point he is saying look i don't know necessarily whether you hacked my phone or somebody else's phone to get this or whether the people i was closest to in the palace kind of threw me under the bus by leaking this information either way this stuff came out this is the effect it had on me and he hasn't had a chance to kind of put it in those terms before so if it turns out and the judge rules against him and goes no you know the mirror was right they got this legitimately because the people closest to prince harry and the royal family just fed them all this stuff in a way he still wins because in a way his grievance is out there and a lot of the points he's made about the firm and how the royal family operates will just be vindicated by that even if the the mirror gets away with it so i think kind of either way he's going to get part of what he wants yeah, I just think the act of turning up in court, which is a huge break oh, in... A, a first time a, a member of the royal family has done that since ni- 1891? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just a huge, huge break in royal tradition, um, which, you know, given it's the royal courts, you know, people, parts of the case are acting on half of the crown in lots of different cases so it's obviously a bit weird for a royal to turn up in court um this is a huge break in precedent and kind of under i mean we won't as i say we won't do the royal soccer job but it really does underline how harry has broken from the royals in a whole different way can i just uh, say that the the new statesman office is um around the corner from the royal courts of justice and i was walking somewhere else not to do with this at all and i walked past it um one afternoon <laughs> last week and the crowds outside the building they were running a one-in one-out system some people had got there at 4am to queue for the public gallery um my colleague who who was there as a journalist had to sit in a different room where they had a, a, a TV screen display showing what was what was going on because they had like an overflow room you had people just like standing outside the courtroom just just um the, the building filming people standing outside the building it was a real <clears throat> a real media circus and in all yeah. the time that I've kind of worked in that area I haven't seen quite that crowd <laughs> outside that building you before. mean you you're not greeted by adoring fans every day when you come into work well, I am, obviously. Sure, sure. But... Yeah. 
Um, let's just again underline Prince Harry's case. Uh, part of his his statement said he thinks the press have stolen or hijacked the privileges and power of the press, or you, and that he thinks they've used illegal or unlawful means for their own gain and agendas. Again, I don't think he cares really if it came from phone hacking or a mate betraying him. He just thinks the media have set him up and he's using this court case as a way to do that and in some ways to kind of get the press into line as he sees it. I think that's the reality. Um, he would obviously deny he wants to kind of curtail the freedom of the press, but he would, I think, say he wants the press to behave better in his view. The, the obviously weird thing about this is Harry is also a media figure. Yep. The Oprah interview, Netflix series, Apple TV Plus series, a 400-page book. Don't forget I, the book. Uh, I confess I have forgotten the book because I have not worked my way through 400 pages. I think you have. You, I, I reviewed it for the New Statesman. Yeah, I think you were very brave. It's, it's, it's worth reading, actually. It's surprisingly, it's not written by him, but it's surprisingly well written. Uh, and the level of detail in parts of it is absolutely astounding and his hatred is a real visceral hatred of the tabloids and of particular journalists who by his account like stalked him as a child is really really visceral and a lot of the coverage of Prince Harry now I think this kind of is important focuses on the decisions that he's made in the last couple of years the Oprah interview the Netflix documentary the kind of bearing all you get a lot of people being like well how can you ask for privacy when you literally invite cameras into your home um and I think some of that is justified, but I don't think you can retroactively apply that to the way he was treated as a child and adolescent. He didn't ask for any of this. He didn't ask to be born as second in line to the throne. The fact that he subsequently as an adult made decisions that kind of put that desire for privacy into question i kind of think is irrelevant because no teenager would sort of choose to be stalked and followed and okay they're having a few beers when they're underage and the next thing they know it's all over the tabloids and they don't know if they can trust their friends and they have an argument with their girlfriend and it's you know front page news like that's a horrible situation to put a young person in regardless of whether or not they've just lost their mother in a really tragic accident which he had and i think you've got to judge the behavior of the tabloids then at the time and not kind of go well look at what he's done since so it was probably all okay you know somehow yeah. retrospectively yeah and i think we should come on to british tabloid culture and how that might have changed but first i want to tell you about factor now that it's summer you might be looking for wholesome convenient meals for sunny active days factor america's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door You'll save time, eat well and stay on track reaching your goals. Too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping and cleaning up while still getting the flavour and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. I have to say the shredded chicken taco bowl and the potato leek mash and grilled chicken look particularly appealing to me, but there are over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options. Head to factormeals.com slash addition50 and use code addition50 to get 50% off 
your first box. That's code ADDITION50 at factormeals.com slash ADDITION50 to get 50% off your first box. Thanks so much to Factor for supporting the show. I do want to highlight something that illustrates your point about the last couple of years, which is, frankly, the stunning... Daily Star front page from when Meghan was pregnant the first time, which uh, for American listeners, the Daily Star is a pretty low grade uh, tabloid that sort of gets it. It's usually got aliens on the front page. Yeah, it's a bit of a silly tabloid that kind of only gets attention for its kind of ridiculous front pages. But this was, I think, I have to confess, a work of genius. Uh, It's got the famous picture of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle it covers their eyes in a sort of redacted way as a joke. And it reads publicity shy woman tells 7.6 billion, six, 7 billion people I'm pregnant, which I think has summed up the attitude of the media quite a lot going, you don't want us to cover you, but you want to sit down with Oprah, the biggest TV star in the world. You want to have series, you want to write a massive book, but you don't want us to report on you. That's I think the attitude now in the British media. But I think your point about applying that retroactively is very, very valid. Because tabloid culture, let's be honest, we're not such dissimilar ages to Prince Harry, so it's when we were growing up as well, um, was very different. And I think, as you say, that Leveson inquiry from years did show genuine excesses in these newsrooms and in the media, hence why the News of the World was shut down and reinvented as a sun on Sunday, which is obviously a different publication. So I think that is a point well made about the kind of retroactive look the way the media is trying to handle this and balance the books on this. Um, As you also pointed out, this is not the only issue that Prince Harry is involved in because he's involved in with newsgroup newspapers. Um, And you wrote a really great article about how he is um, rather insistent that there was a bit of a pact between the papers and the royals, but he was kind of left out of the protection racket or break that down for us. Yeah, so this is actually quite confusing because a lot of the timelines sort of crisscross over and it's quite difficult to work out what he's alleging happened when and Newsgroup deny all of this. But what he claims is that there was a secret pact in um, sometime before 2012 between Newsgroup newspapers and the royal family where the royal family said that they wouldn't sue Newsgroup for like illegal activity until a later date because the royal family didn't really want a court case um, and they knew this stuff had happened but they weren't going to sue but they were going to get an apology at a future date and then there were some emails that seemed to show Harry kind of discussing this with other members of the royal family including the late queen where she basically says yeah you know go for it push for this apology never got the apology uh, and there's a sort of allegation from Harry a sort of suggestion firstly that his brother um, Prince William got a, a secret payout as a result of settling out of court, which obviously he doesn't want to do. He wants to go public with this. He wants the newspapers to admit what they did to him, essentially, and that's what this is all about. Um, but more generally, a, a kind of understanding among some parts of the royal family, his father, his stepmother, Charles and Camilla, that you treat the press nicely and you don't go after them and they in return 
write nice things about you or don't write the most damning things that they that they could and this comes out in his memoir as well and again we don't know if any of this is true but the narrative that harry is telling himself and telling the world is charles and camilla basically decided that they could throw him harry under the bus and feed the tabloids whatever they wanted about him and it would detract attention and negative coverage of them and protect them in a certain way now that is a pretty horrific accusation to make against your father and i highly doubt anything sort of that formal was 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 agree i don't think it was sort of a strategy in that way but you have to admit that the tabloid treatment of charles and camilla particularly in the last six seven months when she's now sort of queen consort and now she's queen and the coverage of William and Kate, you know, whatever they do, there are adoring photos and wonderful coverage saying, isn't she dressed beautifully? And if you compare that to the coverage of Meghan Markle, it's sort of very different. The tabloids treat different members of the royal family differently. You can just see that. And Harry's allegation is that that is a kind of planned, agreed upon strategy that the royal family will protect itself and use him as cannon fodder which i think if you understand that that's the way he sees things goes some way to explaining why he's taken this sort of momentous decision to go to court uh, and have his day in court because he sort of feels the need to be heard not just by the public but by his own family which is really tragic isn't it what it also illustrates is quite a lot about british media culture and tabloid culture and i really want to unpack that because you know whatever the strength of the allegations you know that all, all those involved are deny, you know, accused are denying and fighting their case. Harry's fighting his case. We'll see how it all plays out. There certainly is an interesting cultural thing around the way uh, the British media covers us. I, I have to confess, I have always thought being a raw correspondent or a raw editor must be just about the most boring job in British media. Um I'm sure they get, to, you know, when there's big events, I'm sure it's wonderful to have the access to them, whatever. But there's, it's a very different kind of job to lots of other journalism, isn't it? It's like very predicated on access to a couple of buildings and a small group of people. It's very set on a certain timeline, you know, certain royal events each year and royal visits and so on. I don't know. It's never seemed that appealing a job to me within the media when there's so much other stuff going on. No, and I think you also, if you do it for a number of years, Nicholas Witchell, for example, you can yeah. tell that people get a bit obsessed with the people that they're covering and not not in a good way. Um, no, it's never appealed to me because it's basically two distinct jobs, one of which is you get given the press releases, you write up the press releases, you get invited to the event, you go to the photo call, you write about what they were wearing, you write about how they were smiling, your photographer takes some pictures, you know, that's your story. That's one side of it, which is incredibly scripted and choreographed and quite boring. The other side of it is trying to find out things that they don't want you to know through talking to palace sources, so people who work at the palace, security staff, uh, people who maybe are friends with the royals, or a lot of unnamed sources in all of these articles about Prince Harry, and trying to get them to give you gossip and essentially playing off parts of the royal family against each other. and. You know, it does incredibly well. The reason the tabloids run this stuff is because people want to read about it, gets lots of clicks. But there's something a little bit, I think, sleazy and uncomfortable about it, especially when it kind of goes from the the main royals who, okay, are public figures to kind of anyone involved 
with them and the, the people that they're dating the boyfriends and girlfriends and you think did you sign up for this just because you happen to be dating someone who had a title i have to say it's made me never want to date anyone vaguely connected with the royal family you're, you're not all. Gonna... all dreams of being a princess just out the window you're not gonna go running after a royal anytime soon fair no. enough um I, I, and i do yeah i do think the whole media you used the phrase media circus earlier and you were quite right to do so and and I wonder if, as these cases play out, we're going to see a change in raw coverage. Before we discuss that, I want to just flip back, actually, to the stories. Because when I was listening to you just before, you were sort of, what you were really talking about is the public interest mm. element of these stories. Because, yes, obviously, the late Queen and now the King and Queen and Prince William and Kate uh, are significant figures and you know high up the line of succession they're obviously what they do is obviously in the public interest for various reasons not least that we pay for them but equally some of the stuff and i think this is what harry's getting to a lot in his case like that story about when he was injured and playing football couldn't play football for a couple of weeks is that in the public interest yeah <laughs> Like and, and there are a couple like that. There's um there's there's sort of one about him like a lot about sort of how he well he did at school and he writes about this in the book as well. Like kind of being branded a bit thick by the papers. Well, one it's quite clear that at that particular time he was really suffering from the grief of of having lost his mother and say so maybe couldn't concentrate that well in school as you kind of would imagine a kid in his situation wouldn't be able to. But even if he was a bit thick, like. How how would you feel if your school reports or your kids' school reports were made into news? Does, does it matter what he got in a in an art exam? Um, does it does it matter like what he and his girlfriend argued about? Like, I think when you talk about tabloid culture and, and how it's changed, I I cannot see today's tabloids treating Prince George, for example, who's kind of coming up to a similar age that Harry was when that's William's George oldest son. William's oldest son, the that now the 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 heir to the throne. Um so yeah, third he's the third, third in line Isaac, William yeah. and then him. Um can can you see these stories being written about him? Can you see like a child like that being turned into a media character for everyone to just kind of salivate over it just it feels really distasteful and harry wasn't the only one and there are other examples of children sort of young people who were sort of put in the press spotlight in the 90s and, and 2000 i mean charlotte church is a really obvious example the yeah the, the singer, singer and, and they they ran a countdown to when she was legal to have sex with which is just incredible oh i'd forgotten about that it was horrific so, but there, there was this idea that, like, because a child was famous, you could just do whatever you wanted to, to, to them, and like something, something in it just makes me go, ah, oh, like, I don't, I don't know if that was illegal or not. We don't, we don't know if if there was legal activity, but even if it was legal, like, it's it's not okay. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be one of the really interesting fallouts from this. And we did see, I think. Post Leveson inquiry, which was the first real phone hacking inquiry, we did see a bit of a shift where newspapers were, I think, look, tabloids are always going to tabloid, right? That's why people read them. There's always going to be big, silly, celeb 
and indeed royal stories in those newspapers. That's what they sell on. And they do they sell on that and they sell on, let's be honest, some quite brilliant often investigations that they have the power to get to the front of a lot of people. Let's be honest about that too. But there is, I think there was a shift post-Leveson in how tabloids at least tried to appear they were behaving. You know, you and I don't say, you and I have worked for one tabloid, we've worked for the same tabloid, but it was a business-focused tabloid, so it wasn't really in the same game. It was CCM, what, which... What do you call it? What do you call it, a tabloid? I would debate that, but okay, oh, yeah. It certainly was when I worked there, but in the best possible <laughs> way. And... But it was, it's a business, City M, it's a business focused newspaper. It's a, it's in a very, very different game to, you know, the yeah. sun and the mirror that we're talking about today. So uh, my point is, you and I don't sort of have experience of being in those newsrooms and the conversations that happen in those newsrooms, particularly. But you and I re- consume a lot of media and can see how those newspapers present the stories. Mm. And while they're still big and bold and brash as tabloids should be, I do think that has been a shift. And I wonder if whatever the outcomes of this case, these cases, frankly, it will cause yet another shift. I wonder what your impression of that all is. Yeah, I think one of the things that this court case has sort of shown is that even the tabloids themselves are a bit uncomfortable with the coverage that they gave. So the Mirror put up um, the former assistant news editor, she'd also been a, a former royal correspondent, to sort of defend the the the, the group. It, interestingly, that, that, like she was the only journalist from the from the Mirror that they uh, allowed to come to court to give testimony. So um, there were quite a few. Uh, examples where Harry was sort of questioned and said, like, was asked, where do you think they got this story? And he went, I don't know, you'd have to ask them, but you can't because they're not in court. Um, but she she was questioned on things and it was a bit uncomfortable. Now, obviously, all the mirror needs to prove in this case was that there was no illegal activity. And that's the, the line they've been pushing very hard on. But some of the things like which they've admitted to doing, sort of going to private investigators to try and get private investigators to track down the phone numbers and addresses of friends of Harry's ex-girlfriend, for example, so they could go ask them a whole load of questions. That's not necessarily illegal. Depends how you get the information. We're talking about phone hacking. Another one of the allegations is blagging, where you pretend to be someone you're not in order to get someone's personal data. Now, that is illegal, and there are allegations of that too. But okay, let's say they just used a private investigator by perfectly legal means to get the names and phone numbers and addresses of his ex-girlfriend's friends so they could call them up and go, you know, your friend Chelsea, she's having issues with Prince Harry, isn't she? Why don't you tell us? Like, that's not illegal. It's still horrible. Uh, and I I don't think that happens anymore for people who are not celebrities because they have chosen to be celebrities. I mean, I'm sure it, it, it still happens. And a lot of celebrities like that it happens because their names are in the papers and that's kind of what their brand is is sold on. But for individuals who don't choose that, I think there's been a bit of a, an ethical shift in understanding that that behaviour will not reflect well on the brand of the newspapers doing it. Mm. I, I'm going to play devil's advocate as we come to the end of the show, just a little bit. Because what I think we also have to be careful of, I th- uh, and I say this thinking all the points you've made about 
media ethics and so forth are very important and very valid is that you have, let's be honest, powerful people like Prince Harry in court, slightly throwing their weight around and that it curtails freedom of the press. I think there is a very, very fine line between demanding the media behave ethically, which is absolutely crucial, and pushing the media to such an extent that they're scared to go after stories because they think they'll end up in court for things like this, not, you know, media organisations have to lawyer stories all the time. That's not a big deal. But that there'll be some kind of legal and public backlash if they investigate things. And I think that is a very fine line. Am I being too generous? Um, no, I think it's an important point. And I should say, like, I've been very defensive of Prince Harry through this, but I thought his comments that the media and the government were at rock bottom were unhelpful uh, and, like, don't... like He, he is still... A royal, uh, yeah. the, 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 a royal, the son of the king, the brother of a future king. Um, that's a pretty big intervention for him to the uncle of a future king, the uncle of a future king. Yeah, connected to possibly even a future king. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, oh, unlike, un, 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 unlikely though, a lot of things would have to happen for that. Um, but uh, I don't think he has much awareness of how the power and the influence he has could have like ripple effects. I don't think he's thought about any of it. And I wish he had, because I think he would actually have had a, a more powerful case. Um, and I, the, the sort of flip side though, of, of what you're saying is that he's able to do this because he has the resources and because he knows that as to the other celebrities in... as to the other celebrities Ugh. yeah they've got loads of money and they're kind of in a in a position with their reputation that they feel like they can take it most ordinary people would never do this and i think all of the people who, who are seeing newspapers feel that because they can they have the ability they have some kind of moral duty to do it for the people who can't because they don't have the resources and it would totally wreck their lives i'm not sure that kind of moral crusade um how much I, I i sort of buy into that but that's certainly the way they think about it before we finish up can we talk about cameras in courtrooms yes i think we should because this is a very interesting because you've made the point a few times and i'm the same you and i have both followed this by from twitter from articles we've read we have never seen Prince Harry giving testimony in the courtroom. There was a rather bizarre moment, wasn't there? Where oh, Sky News... So many, so many bizarre moments. <laughs> the one that strikes me is uh, Sky News, one of the major news outlets here in the UK, got a ginger gentleman, an actor, to yeah. recreate Prince Harry because you are not allowed to have cameras in British courts. Um, it doesn't happen which is different, as I understand it, to America, where there are cameras in some places. We've seen clips and things. Um, I said to you when we were planning this show and just chatting beforehand, I'm not sure how I feel about this because I can see a case that it is... The obvious argument is that it's very good for transparency to have cameras in courts for the public to be able to see justice being conducted. I get that argument completely. The other argument I have also some sympathy for is does cameras in court make it all a bit performative? Now, I appreciate that barristers do not need any excuses to be performative anyway. Um, 
so I'm a bit conflicted on how I think of it. I probably slightly lean towards the transparency, but I can be convinced either way. So Rachel Cunliffe, convince me. So I am adamantly against cameras in courts for a number of reasons one of which being that if you had cameras in courts you wouldn't get the beautiful sketches courtroom sketches (laughs) so you can't take photos in court but you can have artists go into the courtroom and then go out of the courtroom and sketch what happened um and that that's that's a sort of fun art genre in itself and also as you said you wouldn't get the performance art of of sky news i think gb news did it as well they recreated it with actors i have to say who were ginger but looked absolutely nothing (laughs) like (laughs) Uh, it was incredibly (laughs) surreal um I think there is transparency in courtrooms. I think, firstly, the public can go. You can just go yep. and watch in the public gallery if you want. You, okay, you have to get there and you have to queue, but it's open. Um, the level of detail in the reporting uh, is at to a to a very very high level, and I've been reading lots of different reporters who who were there, and they go through sort of step by step. Prince Harry asked us, "This is what he said." They have analysis, so it's not like there's a gap in transparency. And what we've seen when there are cameras in courtrooms, particularly with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard, I was just thinking case, that's exactly yeah, what I was thinking of. It turns it not just into a spectacle because a lot of the times these trials are spectacles anyway, but to a into a kind of content vertical to a sort of Netflix drama and you saw people kind of clipping up particularly Amber Heard you know her reactions and then being like vote do you think she's lying or not and judging the facial expressions and uh, people were doing that often not because they particularly had a view on the court on, on, on the on the merits of the case but because there was so much public attention on that trial that they knew that if they took a video of Amber Heard looking slightly awkward and captioned it up in a certain way they would get thousands of views and they could monetize that and I but for, for a case to have got to court something as something bad has had to have had to have happened no one kind of chooses to do this for fun um you are turning even if someone's in even if the accused is innocent yeah there's normally some kind of terrible story one way or the other yeah that has led to this and so you're turning people's pain and really serious issues into entertainment and i think we all kind of feel that with the with the herb heard depp case um it was very difficult for the jurors in that trial to behave objectively given the the sort of surrounding media attention obviously there isn't a juror in the in the prince harry ones um it's just a judge who's going to decide but i just it's not entertainment you wouldn't have cameras inside an operating theater for somebody's you know real life operation i I know there are some dramas that do that but the idea that kind of oh yeah you're going to go in and have a heart bypass and there's going to be a camera in there are you okay with that like we it's a public service it's a public institution and turning it into a form of sort of voyeuristic entertainment i think is just gonna make it so much worse Okay, you've convinced me. Thanks very much. Um, That was easy. um, Well, it's been great having you on to unpack all of this, Rachel. Where can people keep up with your work? You can find me on Twitter at RM Cunliffe. You can find my writing uh, in print and on the New Statesman website. uh, And you can find me on this podcast sometimes. Uh, And uh, mostly as well as politics and the royal family, I tweet pictures of cats. So if you're into that, follow me. There are a lot of cat pictures. There are a lot of cats. I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. Of course, head over to theedition.net for all things tech and media. And you can sign up to the newsletter there or at newsletter.theedition.net. 
and I hope you do. I've got a summer sale on. You can get 20% off an annual subscription if you do that till the end of the month. So I hope you join me there as well. Um, Thanks once again, Rachel, for joining me and I'll see you all next week. (laughs) 